Welcome back to the Not-For-Profit Podcast. My name is Matt Williams. In this episode, we're speaking with Kim Miles from Capalaba Football Club on things to consider when running an NFP in the volunteer sector with volunteers. We cover off in this episode things to consider when you're in a club or an association and you run all of volunteers. And we also talk about things that we need to think about when you're setting up and growing an NFP with a volunteer base. The three takeaways from this one is that we're going to delve into knowing you're helping people. That's what the NFP is all about, knowing you're helping people to get out there and get it done. The second thing we look at is don't be alone. Don't feel like you're out there doing the NFP sector alone. Get involved with other members from the association or the club. Have the committee involved. Don't feel like you have to take the weight of every decision about the club or the association on your own shoulders. And the third thing we look at is the need to run an NFP like a business, not as a business, but with a business mentality. And Kim delves a bit deeper into that about where we need to have that thought process and why it is important. Today's episode is brought to you by Platinum Audits. For all your auditing needs, please see platinumaudits.com.au. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or jump over to the notforprofitpodcast.com.au to grab this episode and let's hear from Kim. Kim, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Just uh, to get us started, I just want to get what your history, you've been involved with NFPs for as long as I've known you and yeah. just want to get your background on what your involvement in NFPs and how long and where you've been, where you've been based. Yeah, sure. So most, re- well, Going back 18 plus years, I've been involved with a local football club and from that I also got some work at a disability care facility where I was involved for 14 months. Some also off-site work with another not-for-profit shelter facility. So yeah, diverse range and a few different ones. Awesome. Yeah, I've known you from the, from the football club, so it's been been an interesting journey over that since I've been involved, and I'm sure it has been previous to that. Yeah. Um, what made you get involved in, in the football club and the other areas? Football club was very simply, I always tell people, being in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> um, I happened to pass a doorway when somebody mentioned Mile, and they had this system that they didn't know what they were doing with, and... I had worked with Myob for some years, even at that point. So I sort of said, well, I know Myob, what do you need? And it was just like being sucked into a vacuum. And <laughs> I'm still in that vacuum, but just at the top of the vacuum, ready to be filtered. <laughs> so, enough. yeah, from that, um, contacts that I've known at the football club that worked in other not-for-profit have touched base and said, hey, I need some help. Have you got time? Um one lady at the club was going through a cancer treatment of her own and needed to job share. Um, so that's where the 14-month one came in and then others have just been word of mouth. So, yeah. Oh, awesome. That's a little good. niche. Yeah. So 
being in the wrong place at the wrong time, a lot of people, a lot of people fall into that trap, and I have in the past as well. Yeah. But at the same time, it has to become a passion at some stage. Like you, you, uh, you know, yeah. it was a my odd thing. But yeah, you don't stay in something like that for the wrong reasons. You, you, you obviously have a passion for the club and and for people. What yeah. keeps that passion burning? I think seeing that it makes a difference, knowing that you're helping not just the people that have committed to be on the committee or whatever part of that club but knowing that what you're doing is making them compliant and that little Johnny can run on the field this week and next week and the following week and nobody's going to turn the lights off and council aren't going to come in and put a padlock on the door and it it all has to happen and I guess in that environment what I notice most is that people take it for granted. They don't understand that it is a commercial viable business and it has to be run the same way. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I see for NFPs and hence the reason for this podcast is to to get the message across that you have to not run it like a business, but you have to have that business mentality. If you don't have money at the end of the day, you can't do anything. Oh, absolutely. You've, you've made commitment to somebody that you're going to pay them for whatever service. They provide the service. You've got to know that at the end of that time, you've got the money to pay them. I've been in the situation early days for the club where it was very, very difficult and we had to stretch payments and I mean stretch. Uh, that piece of elastic was so stretched but we got through it and, and again, that's by having systems and procedures in place. No, perfect. Well, that leads into that. Like when you get to that point, you see a lot of clubs making mistakes. As an auditor, I see mistakes and my, my idea, yeah. my job is to make sure that people are doing it right and yeah. people get you know, put off by auditors. But how do you learn from that and how do you get out of that mistake? So you said systems and procedures, but yeah. when you come aboard, there was a, an issue there and, and you had to stretch and, and, and negotiate terms, I presume. But how do you get through that? How do you get around that and, and make it easier? Yeah, you have to be upfront. You have to be honest. I go back to the days where people used to say, I'll post a check for you on Friday and you knew they would and on Monday you could bank that check. That, that mentality, we would approach suppliers and say, look, we need these trophies. These kids have had a hard season, blah, 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 but we can't pay for it. But we've got sign on next year and we can pay you by this day and guarantee that that day you've got the money to them. And because you are not for profit, people allow that. They, they want to see the kids with a smile on their face too. And then going through those hard times builds character but it also puts those systems in place that you're never going to be in that position again. I'm, I'm, you know, whether it's myself doing the role or whether it's the next person or the next person, they need to know that their job's easy because that's how we do it. We get the trophies and we pay for them the next week. We don't wait until the next season. But if you have to do those things, then, yeah, to me it is just being upfront and open with them. Yeah, and that's that's for any business as well, not just for NFPs as well, just to say, hey, look, you know, this is where we're at, this is what we're doing. And I believe, particularly with NFPs, that that people are more willing to be a bit lenient and a bit more forgiving. And like you said, you know, we, we can pay on this date, you know, it may be five months from now, but we can pay you and they'll give you that leeway. Yeah, yeah. As, as long as you, like if you say I'm going to pay $100 a month for the next 12 months, do it on the first of the month and don't ever let them down. Yeah. Trust, trust has to be earned. 
<laughs> yeah. Would that? What would be the biggest mistake you see for people with that, like in that situation where you get in that stretch? What's the biggest mistake you see happen from an NFP point of view? Like, not for necessarily for the club because it's yeah. yourself through that, but other NFPs and you, you're a bookkeeper, you've been out there, yeah. you've seen stuff. What's the biggest mistake people make in, in, in that situation? In, in that situation or in most of the situations, it's relying on volunteers and not not treating it like a position, not understanding that that is a job. Yes, they're not getting paid for it, but it is still a job that comes with expectations. So having the right people in those jobs is really important. And for a not-for-profit, it's, it's really hard to take anybody that says, yeah, I, I'll help, but you have to ensure that what they're helping is helping. Yep. Good, in, good intentions don't streamline things. And... For me, one of the biggest learning curves was actually having to employ people to do certain parts. Uh, the bigger organisations that are not-for-profit don't have that pressure and they have a payroll and they can do it each fortnight, whatever. Some of the smaller not-for-profits rely on volunteers. Yep. And being a volunteer organisation, and I've seen clubs over the years go from, I know you guys had pokies at one stage and, uh-huh. and that was obviously you can't do that on a volunteer basis. How does a club, how does a club or an NFP go from having not having you know, pokies and having that regular income to not having it and then having to supplement that income somewhere else? What's the what's the best thing to do in that situation? Um, it's, it's, it's a tough one because the actual pokies were costing the club money so it was an easy decision to get rid of them. The first step was going in half. Let's just lose half of them. When the government brought in the no smoking rules, which I absolutely love, it, it had a big impact on clubs, licensed clubs. We had a um, bingo that was a pro- profitable session, not necessarily for the bingo, but for the ladies that played the bogeys after. Once they stopped smoking on premises, the ladies were like, well, we don't want to play bingo here anymore. So we, we decided, you know, we're a sports club, that it has to be not non-smoking full stop. It wasn't just, well, you can have a smoking area here because we've got kids playing sports. So it wasn't the conducive environment and that's not what we were about. So sometimes you have to make the tough decisions and, yeah, you, you just have to look for alternatives. Again, it's venue hire, different things we, we've tried but... I think probably more this year than ever, they've realised that we are a football club and that has to be the stream of income. I think find your niche and, and market it. Okay. Yeah, perfect. From that stage there where you did go from that, you know, bingo, all that sort of stuff, going on to that, how how did the club or how did you the, – the, how did they get around that and how did you increase the numbers and make sure the profitability of the club and to keep going and to actually stay afloat? With yeah. strategies that you implemented? That's, that's the difficult part with it as well because um, working in a not-for-profit organisation like that, we were governed by a committee and committee is volunteer and unless you've got the heart of it, it's really easy just to walk away because you're a volunteer. So there's no stability. Um, that's when we started employing people more so we went from not a fully um, volunteer base to part, part-time. With the gaming machines, with the bingo, with the functions, you had to pay staff. That was all paid staff. So by stopping those events, we actually saved money because we no longer had the high wages. Um, yep. 
the compliance for a lot of things like that has a high cost to it. So again, it was back, getting back to our grassroots. And, and at the time, I actually remember digging out the minutes from when the club first started and going back and having a look, you know, why did they, why did this not-for-profit organisation start? What was it about? And it was just humbling to read what their expectations were um, and to where it had got, and even though it felt like it had failed because we were downsizing, it hadn't failed in their scope of what they thought was ever going to happen. So no. that, that was that was good to have that document. Yeah, no, definitely. And that comes to a lot of NFPs and particularly for clubs and associations and stuff like that. Get back to the grassroots of why you started the NFP. And with, with the club downsizing all that, was that getting back to the starting of that, to definitely. going back to the grassroots of we're here to supply a football ground for kids to play on and grow in their skills and development. Definitely. It, it made us have the time because we weren't caught up with all the other um, things that didn't associate with football that were out of season things, etc. to give that more of an emphasis and make it more about all-inclusive. You know, you had more time. You could, you could take the time. We got a little bit of stability with the committee. We had a really hard-working committee. Sometimes you'll get committees that want to be there for not the prestige because there's not a lot that goes with it, but they like to know what's happening as opposed to be the ones that make it happen. Yep. I was very fortunate in all of my time to have worked with really hardworking committees, so it made such a difference. Yeah, never, never was there anything that went on that you didn't see the committee involved in, so yeah. as, as opposed to just pointing out the errors, I guess. Yeah, and that that's that's a, a valid point there because committees have to be invested in what they're doing and invested in the club and invested in that in that why we started. From from a committee point of view and from your experience, what what's the three biggest areas? Like I know committees make financial decisions all the time, and as an accountant, a bookkeeper, you you what's the three sort of tips for NFPs on the financial sector of their business or yeah. no, their business of their their sector, what they're doing, yeah. what's the three tips on how to make it better, what to do right and what not to do? The first one for me is I think that you need to have a paid bookkeeper and that's not touting for business, that's <laughs> that's a fact. The position of a treasurer is huge and it's, it's against what I believe if you're doing the work and checking the work, it's it's the part to keep the business going, the not-for-profit organisation, is daily tasks and that that you can't rely on volunteers for it. You just can't. You have to have somebody that the committee can tell this is how you do it. That for me is number one, having been in the position where I was a bookkeeper, I was a treasurer and then we were very fortunate that we had a very good auditor. So to me that is number two because I could always pick up the phone to you and say, hey, this this smells, is it is it right or wrong? Don't don't leave people isolated. And the third one for me is is really big is training. A lot of the issues come by, as I said, somebody will say, I'm happy to help. And all of a sudden they've got this title of let's go secretary and they have not got a clue what they're doing, but they're the secretary. So they must be okay. They've got a job. You've got to train your volunteers. You've you've got to train, 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 have paid staff for the daily compliances, make sure that they have a contact, whether it be BAS agent, bookkeeper, professional service, and definitely the auditor. They have to work closely with the auditor. 
Yeah, definitely. And yeah, for, for the finance sector, because without that being stable, for want of a better word, committees are too volatile. You, you, can, you can be upset with somebody and all of a sudden you've got no treasurer and no secretary and you're like, oh, okay, who's doing the banking tomorrow? Yeah, you have to have your daily processes as a paid employee. That's worked well for us. Okay, perfect. It, it, with that training and the and stuff, do you have systems in place? And are they available systems? So, do you, have you put in like a training manual or a, a thing? And is is it paper, electronic? What works for the club? What hasn't worked in the past? Just to let our listeners know, like what what's the best way to go? You found to be to go about it? Yeah, early days, no, because nobody knew what anybody did. As our club has grown, so have governing bodies. And for, for instance, football is governed by Football Brisbane, who is governed by Football Queensland, who is governed by Football Federation Australia. So we have three very large resources to tap into. And at the moment, they have lifted their compliance in the last three, three to five years. So they give, we can get the resources from them. So we have documentations on what the role is of a secretary, what is the role of a treasurer. We then manipulate it to add the little bits that are what we do. The other not-for-profit organisation was totally different because it was a large business and they had their issues as well but not with volunteers because their volunteers was only their committee and their committee met once a month but everybody at work, it was you would not have known it was a not-for-profit. Oh, okay. It was run yeah. like a business. Yeah. It was a business. Everybody, they had a general manager, they had staff, they had care workers, they had clients. It was totally different. It, you would not have known it was a not-for-profit. Did you, with the comparison of the two, the club versus the business, is it one better than the other or is it they both work for their own individual entities or would you prefer one over the other? The club is a passion. I don't think I would be at another club I wouldn't go out looking for another football club, put it that way. Um, yep. Whereas the organisation that I worked for, I'm actually just getting involved with another organisation based in Sydney that are the same support workers, etc. So that part of it, yes, because to me that's still just like another business. It doesn't have a committee attached to it. I'm not reporting. You, you're not, you know, it, for me with the club, I guess one of the biggest hurdles is where you have volunteer clashing with paid staff. It's, it's in a larger organisation, they're all paid. There is no clash. It's yep. just a monthly meeting, general manager attends and tells the committee, this is what we've done. Here's, here's the P&L for the month. <laughs> As opposed, yeah, so that, and they don't have a turnover, obviously, because they're not interacting and they're not getting their noses pushed sideways. <laughs> and it is very personally different. It's, it's yep. a personal thing. I think if you're involved in... A family club like that, you're you're always going to have personality clashes, and that's where the stabilizers come off of some committees. Okay, you yep. have to be there for the right reasons, and I've always said that when when you stop enjoying it, is the time that you stop doing it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, you have to enjoy it. It's no paycheck. NFPs, <laughs> <laughs> yep. it's a passion most of the time. So absolutely, yeah, and there's just so much variety, so much variety. Oh, absolutely. Even for me, I'm learning so much about NFPs just starting this, so it's fantastic. We, you mentioned before the 
reporting considerations and stuff like that. For NFPs, are there any specialised reporting that needs to be done? Is there anything you've seen in your time about what you know, the people need to consider to do right from the get-go when they first set up an NFP or whether you know, they need to learn as they go along? What would you recommend to people to, to have in the back of their mind about this is what you need to report on, this is what you need to do every month or every year or every whatever it is? Um, for me, in the volunteer sector, it was cash flow yep. um, because, and again, depending on the size of your committee, whether you set up as an executive committee and a general committee or whether you're just one big committee, the biggest thing is making sure that everybody is aware of everything. That's, you know, it's, it's everybody's responsibility. Don't just bear it on your own shoulders. If you're a treasurer for a not-for-profit, not for profit and you're losing sleep at night because you know you haven't paid X, Y, Z, you need to share that burden. It's it's not just about sharing the good times. You you that is not your responsibility to make sure the bills are paid. It's the responsibility of the committee and you have to pass on knowledge. You have to pass on the facts, I guess. In the bigger businesses, obviously they normally have a general manager and he's very much aware. Yeah, I can't emphasise enough. Don't don't wear that burden yourself. I I remember the sleepless nights. I remember them so well. And you do take it on. You do take it on. It's hard not to. So I would say that the reporting is vital, whether that be monthly, if everything's ticking along. But as I said, if there are issues, don't bear them on your own. Uh, very, yeah, it's very good advice because a lot of people do get to that point where it just becomes too much and walk away and then mm. but if they had to share that uh, with the committee or with other people around, it, it makes it, it a lighter load. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what your committee is there for is in to make those decisions in the best interest of the club but also in the best interest of your volunteers because you want them, you want stability, you want them turning over the next year. You want them, it's, it's really hard because it's you can get voted in and out within the same 12 months. So you, you're like, in your head, you've got all these big plans. It's not very often somebody wants your job though, but you, you've got these plans. But at the end of the day, you don't really know what's going to come in the door the next year and go, oh, I think I could do that. And that's that to me is really hard with a not-for-profit that anybody can run that business because in the times when we were doing it tough, we had a million-dollar turnover and you just you just had to put your hand up and say, oh, well, I'll run it, I'll, I'll, I'll run that, and nobody stops you because nobody else wants to. Yeah, no, that's that, and that's a big a lot of money too for for a committee that's not paid and for volunteers. Yeah. That's a lot, of, a lot of cash flow in and out of the business to, to be responsible for. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's the, I guess, the disconnection when you have paid staff and volunteers because – the paid staff are doing their job and the volunteers are reporting it, but they're just assuming that it's all getting done properly. Yeah. That's, that's, that's where the oceans meet and there's this little ripple. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And sometimes yeah. that little ripple is not so little. No, no, no. Been there. No, that's it. Well, Kim, thank you so much. We're just out of time at the moment. If there anyone, where can people, if they want to get in contact with you, where can they find you? Where can they they reach out to you if, if they want to? <laughs> Other than the football club? Other than the football club. <laughs> uh, Kim's Accounting at bigpond.com. Kim's Accounting at bigpond.com. We'll have that on the show notes. Thanks awesome. so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it and uh, we'll be talking to you very soon. Thanks, Matt. Mm-hmm.